Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I'm changing up the format of this show. I typically put out an interview every other week or so, but I'm asked so many great questions and my thoughts on life, love, leadership that I thought I could do a weekly show on one week, do my interviews, and on the other week, put out a show with just me so I can share my uh, thoughts and ideas and answer your questions. So I'm looking forward to this new format. It'll be a weekly show going forward. So please give me your feedback. I want to hear from you. Tell me what you like and what you don't like. So with that, I'm going to introduce my guest, Mike Arts. Mike has been a force within the winter sports industry for almost two decades. He is an unbelievable photographer and videographer. He grew up snowboarding in the mountains of Vermont and then moved out west as his career took him not only just to the west, but really around the world. He has worked for huge brands such as Burton Snowboards, Airwalk, Helly Hansen, and now he started the Public Works, which is a full service project management firm with expertise in industrial design, engineering and fabrication, creating all kinds of creative and marketing deliverables for their clients. He is a philanthropist and very focused on sustainability. It's a Colorado company, which is solar powered, heated from downed beetle kill wood, which we have all over Colorado and utilizes biodiesel from their used fire oil to power their fleet, which is so cool. Uh, he also is part of the First Ascents, which is an unbelievable nonprofit. It's actually how I met him at a fundraiser for the First Ascents, which is a nonprofit that provides adventure experiences for cancer patients who are in their late teens to early 30s, so they can find a renewed sense of purpose in life through the outdoors. And this fundraiser was in Silverton. It was a ski trip and we spent a day heli skiing uh, all through fresh powder in Silverton, Colorado, which is just one of the most amazing places on earth. And as I got to know him, I knew he had to come on the show because he is amazing. So with that, I will bring Mike on. So hold tight and we'll be right back. Hi, welcome back, everybody. I am here with my friend, Mike Arts, who, as you know, met in Silverton on a heli ski trip, and we are going to have so much fun talking about how his life got him where he is today and uh, and how that uh, led us to meeting in Silverton. So welcome to the show, Mike. Yeah, thanks so much. Looking forward to sharing this time together. Awesome, awesome. All right, so you've been a force within the winter sports industry for almost two decades, over two decades. How has your experiences working for companies like Burton and Helly Hansen Airwalk led you where you are today as a founder of this really progressive and forward-thinking branding and multimedia firm? Wow. Um, I realized this year was my 30th year collecting a paycheck from the snowboard and ski industry. I started when I was 16 at a ski and snowboard shop in Connecticut. So it's uh, it's been a pretty fun journey. Uh, you know, try to think about this question a lot. I think, I think one of the cool things about the snowboard industry, and I'm sure there's others like it, whatever, you know, some of these very core passionate sports, it, it draws together some of the best people, you know, people who are 
you know, driven by their love of what they're doing. And I think so much of where I am 30 years later is because of all those people that I got to cross paths with. And it's kind of cool that we're getting to do this podcast together. I mean, we've met on the mountain in a helicopter and, um, you know, yeah, sure. On the surface that, you know, it's all sounds great or whatever, but at the same time, that's like where I've met so many of the best people that are still in my life. And, you know, Burton and the snowboard industry and these other companies were the best education I could have ever asked for. You know, I always try to think of other things that relate and Harley Davidson kind of always pops into my head, but even that's, even that's different. That's like a big mass company. Um, snowboard industry is like, it's, it's finicky. Like customers are hard to please. They're super critical. They're well-read. They know their brands. You don't get too many second chances. Um, budgets are small, creative demands are high. So it's kind of this like, uh, it was a super awesome boot camp for me in the world of marketing and brand and whatever. I think, I think that it's the people and it was the grittiness of a passion driven industry. So how do you bring that grittiness that you've learned uh, from working at some of these companies into what you're doing today? Well, in a lot of different ways, you know, I don't, I can't think of any client conversations that don't start with some disclaimer about like the budget not being big enough or something. I mean, we're still looking for that client. That's just like, yeah, whatever you want to spend and get paid. We got it all. I haven't really found that yet. But, um, so, I mean, that kind of grittiness that yeah, you, you can't just throw money at something and solve it. You have to throw the best people and the best solutions and work hard. So, I think we've brought a lot of that. My business partner of 20 years, most of our crew, we almost all come out of outdoor or action sports industry or something. So, um, you know, we're used to going out and working with lean crews. So I think, I think that has transferred a lot. When you're filming or shooting photos or working in the backcountry on, on a snowboard thing, you can't have 25 people and craft services and a stylist and whatever, you know? Um, so that's still the way we often operate is we'll do with six people, what maybe other companies would do with 15. Maybe it's not always the right decision, but that's kind of where we come from. Yeah. I remember you taking pictures of us and me going, gosh, I hope that my nose isn't running right now. Where's my stylist? Where's my stylist? <laughs> You're in like some hardcore places. So I can imagine that it's, it's hard to find people who even have that sort of, they can handle some of the conditions that you're in um, because it's scary being in Silverton and one of the most dangerous avalanche seasons of, you know, the last decade is, is scary. So how do you overcome some of that fear or is it fearlessness as you're out doing no. some of these hardcore shots? I think I've, as I've got older, I've just gotten more and more scared, you know, yeah. you, well, plus once you add kids into the scenario and, you know, being 20 years old and standing on a mountain, you're in a much different headspace. And a lot of it is through uh, just not knowing, you know, like what you don't know doesn't scare you. And the more you learn and spend time. And I mean, I, I've told people I've like I've lost a lot of friends to the mountains. And, um, you know, you don't see that in too many other sports. Like, I don't care if it's like IndyCar or it, like, I can't think of anything else that you see the kind of loss that we feel in the mountain environment so that you know you you learn 
from that and you get a bit wiser and probably get a bit more scared, especially in Colorado. If you're not a little bit scared when you go out on the mountain, then you're definitely not paying attention. Yeah. So traveling the world, shooting some of these photos in the epic places, I'm sure that it's taught you all kinds of leadership lessons. So how has, uh, has adventure shaped your leadership views and how has it taught you how to overcome some of the challenges that you faced in life? I'm too hypersensitive. I stress too easily. Um, Jess was at this really cool veterans event, got to listen to a Navy SEAL speak and listen to him talk about that stress is an option. And I was like, what? Like, if he can say that, then like, I need to like kind of rethink like what stresses me out because those are some people that have some real stuff to stress about. Um, But, you know, in the business world, it's like, you know, sometimes the little bumps in the road can trigger a bigger reaction than they should be. Uh, I think that, I think travel and being out in some pretty unusual environments and stuff, I, I'd like to think that's part of what's made me a bit more resilient. We um, we were going to Nepal to shoot a Warren Miller shoot with uh, those two snowboarders that I've known for like 20 years. And we, the amount of issues we had getting there there was a first a plane went off the runway in Kathmandu and there's only one runway in the whole country so we with the, the entire crew of us got shut down and we didn't end up actually connecting as a team for nine days and then we got hit by bad weather and you just name it the, the guys didn't get their equipment we almost had someone else fly in the u.s to their houses to get more gear to fly to nepal because it's not going to go to a snowboard shop either we almost didn't start shooting for two weeks uh ll bean was the sponsor i remember they were kind of emailing like how's it going you got any samples whatever and i was like i didn't want to say like i haven't seen either of those two guys yet like (laughs) we're not even in the same part of the world yet but um you know it, it came together and and in the end, and in the end, we, we shot maybe some of some of the best stuff in the last morning of a three week trip. So, and there, 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 I had some low, low moments on that. I mean, this wasn't too long ago. I think I was standing there being questioning, like I'm 40 years old now. I've got two kids at home. My wife works. She was already a bit bent about how much I'd been away. And then we had to extend and I, I called her from a, sat phone up on Annapurna in Nepal to tell her that we were adding another week on. And uh, it was probably one of the most painful phone calls I've ever had with her. Just pure disappointment. <laughs> the worst. So, disappointing I mean, your, yeah. your, your wife. How awful. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you, you know the deal. The, hard, the hardest thing in life and being an entrepreneur, whether or not it's a leadership or not, but it's that like, that trying to balance yeah. business, family and personal. And it feels like when you're doing one, you know, well in one area, then you're probably failing in the other two and just trying to find that, find that right balance. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the name of the game. Um, I didn't realize for, you know, for me until the pandemic hit, the, impact that I, that it had on my family when I was gone all the time traveling. I traveled over a hundred thousand miles a year out of Durango, Colorado. That is difficult. (laughs) And, but I was gone. So I didn't see that impact. And now that I haven't traveled very much this year, it's like, wow, 
there was not balance. I thought I was balancing it, but they were just dealing with it and coping with it because that's just what they had to do. And now the whole world's been turned upside down and I'm not traveling anymore. And it's like, I don't ever want to go back to that because that was not healthy. I just didn't even realize it though. I, I think I felt some of the other side, which is I didn't realize the impact I have on my family when I'm around too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's some of that. I... <laughs> yeah, Al Allison gave me a little bit of a talking to about that early on, too. Like, you're not usually here this much, so now you need to readjust it to our world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I can absolutely see that. I think I had to do some of that, too. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing the different perspective you get when, uh, life throws you curveballs. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit about how we got to Silverton, uh, through the first Ascents fundraiser. Um, and before we jump into your story around the first Ascents, which is a really cool story, can you tell us a little bit about the organization and how you learned about it? Sure. And... Uh, I just hope I don't misspeak in any way because it's not my organization. But um, First Ascents is now a Denver-based nonprofit. It was started originally by a professional kayaker. Um, and within his family, he experienced uh, you know, what cancer did to a relative and saw how helpful outdoor adventure and healing could be. That's the rapid fire, I think, of how it started. So now First Ascents runs um, life-changing outdoor adventure trips for young adults afflicted by cancer um, and some other life-threatening diseases. So, you know, they really lean into what they would call outdoor healing. Um, so that's what the organization is serving, you know, mostly adults, young adults, 18 to 35 years old, which they had seen as an age group that kind of gets missed a little bit, you know, that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of resources for young kids and adults are a bit, you know, older, a bit further on in life, whatever. But when you're at this, this age period where you might have just gone to college or just gotten out of your parents' house or just started a career or something like that, and all of a sudden you get hit, like just smacked in the face with yeah. something that severe. Um, so that's who they, who they serve. Yeah. And I love the story about how you voluntold your parents that they were going on a first ascent trip. So tell us about this trip and why did it touch you so much? Well, yeah, so, so where it started, I, I think it's kind of ironic about um, that this story also starts with helicopters because I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a very privileged thing to go heli skiing. And, you know, we all think about environmental impacts and so that, that does not go past me that we think about that a lot. I also feel like that's kind of what I've chased my whole life and I thoroughly enjoy every moment that we burn a little bit at Jet A. So anyways, that's my disclaimer of understanding that, you know, there's questions to everything. But um, I'm a member of EO, which is Entrepreneurs Organization. You're in YPO or kind of, I guess you're a little bit more like the older more mature sibling organization where probably a little rough around the corners. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard it described us, that way, that, but thank yeah, you. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. We're all, we're EO is 13,000 or so um, entrepreneurs around the world. So 
I organized a EO trip up to CMH Heli Skiing, Bobby Burden's Lodge, and we did a full takeover up there. It's really fun. We brought professional skier Chris Davenport along as kind of a special guest, and Ryan O'Donoghue, who's the executive uh, director of First Ascents, also joined us on that trip. And it, and it was great. I mean, we try to do a lot, you know, just as you guys do with YPO also that, you know, we like hung out with the chef. We went out and did hung out with the helicopter pilot and all kind of got the lowdown on how do you fly a helicopter. And we, we try to learn. We try to give back and forth. Chris spoke one night and then Ryan spoke another night about first ascents and a bunch of us left there just super, super fired up on everything he had to say. And I immediately tried to find a trip to volunteer on. Ryan suggested a whitewater kayak trip in Montana as being like one of their really, really special ones. And so I also signed my parents up. Um, each trip, you know, usually has about a dozen participants and there's four volunteer spots. So photographer, two kind of lodge staff helpers and a medic. So I signed up for the photographer position and signed my parents up for the, for the uh, kind of lodge mom and dad. Um, and we went up to Tarkio, Montana and had our first, first ascents trip together. And it was, uh, it was life changing. So what did you, so tell us about what happened. So, um, you returned from this trip, like what, what made everybody so excited about the, about the organization and your further involvement? You know, 12, let's call it about a dozen people, you know, who've gone through these you know, super, super challenging experiences. Some people might still be going through their cancer fight. Others, you know, might be past it five years back or whatever. Um, but first attempts brings these people together. And it's really fun when they show up at the airport. Um, staff's already there and try to push people towards coming up with FD nicknames quickly. So people immediately change to some different nickname. I'm Chisel, by the way. Um, <laughs> there's a story behind that. It's not because oh, I'm Oh, you're going to have to tell us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so part of that is like leaving behind, right? Like show up at that airport and leave behind. Like you're no longer Steve with cancer. You're Pickle or whatever, right? Um, and from that moment on, it's just this full immersion in the outdoors, but also in sharing. And um, even the first night you're there around the campfire, the level of sharing, like we feel it in EO or you do in YPO and our forums, which are super, super intimate, confidential uh, groups that like my EO form has changed my life. And, you know, that took some time to build up to. First Ascent was one of the first things I've ever experienced outside of that, where around that campfire, it happened almost immediately. And if you're not bawling your eyes out in the first 30 minutes of the first night by that campfire, like, you're probably not listening. Like, and you can't, you can't come back from that the same person. Like anything that seemed like a big problem in my life is like, has even scratched the surface of the beautiful people I met there. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to combine, you know, you see like the fragility of life and then you're in these, these environments where you have to be tough and push yourself and be adventurous. And I can imagine how that combination can be 
uh, really profound. I mean, I'm, I can totally imagine seeing you sitting around the, the campfire crying, just a few of the stories that I've heard from people speaking from first to sense that you know, they've gone through the program. It, it is amazing the intertwined, um, you know, or how it's intertwined with the fragility of life. And then also just how damn tough we are as human beings. Yeah, and, and they tie, they tie so much with the outdoors, especially to the river. You know, you're not fully in control anymore. Yeah. The river is a bit, they're taking these participants. I mean, there was someone on our trip who had never left Las Vegas, never been on a plane. And three days in, this person's doing class three rapids and hard shell kayak with super pro staff and kayak guides round around to help out immediately, right? But but it takes, everyone has to kind of surrender yeah. to the river. And um, there, there, there's so much talk and discussion about kind of all of that and how it relates to life and big challenges. Yeah, and I have to imagine it's so rewarding. I know whenever I do really hard things, which is nothing compared to what, um, what you know, the people going through this program have had to endure, but how good it feels when you're like, wow, I did that. I did something that was really hard, something I didn't think I can do. And it probably gives people like a renewed sense of purpose and passion. So did you see that come out? Oh yeah, like, I mean, we've kept in touch with people. Like you, we stay in touch through private Facebook groups, but you see people go back, buy kayaks. I mean, we've seen people from the program end up going and becoming instructors or lead staff. The guy who spoke at Silverton, right? He'd started as a participant. Yeah. It complete like now he's lead staff. Like how like how crazy is that, right? Like yeah. it changes your entire course of life by what you thought was just gonna be a trip yeah. and go float down a river. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So you come back from this trip and it changed your life, right? You decided you want to use your talents to to help spread the word and raise money for the organization. So what did you do and, and how did you use your talents to really propel First Ascents forward? I, th I think a lot was just continuing to talk talk a lot with the organization and try to figure out ways that we could help. And we've, we've tried a bunch of different things. We own a building in Denver called Battery 621, which there's about 20 companies working out of here. And we have a lot of parties and events. And so more and more, we started incorporating First Ascents into those we actually had a huge party when we bought our we had two other partners on the building we bought them out and uh, we may have called it independence day party but um we uh but fd came and one of the protest participants came and spoke you know while we were doing that party and and we we raised some money that way and we looked looked at a bunch of different ways to do that kind of thing we also pledged to first ascents that in any way that we could possibly help with multimedia content generation that we would um which then led to us getting to go film their first ever test program of taking people afflicted with ms on a river trip um which is super cool because our mutual friend ben wright who you've had on your show um his company velocity global like made that trip possible and one of his key people that also went had dealt with ms his whole life right like so that just brought together these other companies. Um, Brad, who founded FD, had won CNN Hero of the War, year, Hero of the Year Award from CNN, which is massive, right? Huge exposure. 
for first ascents. So Velocity made it possible to beta test this MS program. We filmed it. The footage went to CNN, who used that as a follow-up to the story on Brad. And you look at the, like the leveraging of that, right? The amplification of just a couple people coming together and things change. So we we did that MS trip and filmed that. And um, what was really cool is we then showed that footage to one of our biggest clients. Thor Industries, who is the largest manufacturer of recreational vehicles in the world, publicly traded company, awesome, awesome company. They own Airstream, Jayco, Keystone, you name it, like 20 RV brands. Our first creative, all at like creative agency summit that we got invited to with Thor, it was this amazing two-day meeting. And at the end, they were like, just brainstorm ideas. Give us as many ideas as you have, you know? And before we even left there, we were going through maybe 15 different ideas that we had relating to content or all different things. But one of them was this outdoor healing, first ascents, and we showed that MS piece. And that was the hook that brought Thor in. And then they, long story short, they became one of first ascents largest corporate supporters. So it just kept ratcheting. Um, it had been so amazing for our crew, for everyone. But I think the cool thing was we've seen that we can raise some money. I started the Silverton trip three years ago. Um, this was the third year we've done that. We raised $75,000 this year. But the uplift and what we were able to do by bringing FD and Thor together is way, 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 way bigger than that. And so I think that's what it's taught me a lot is there's that combination and it, and I'd seen that and been taught. Uh, one of our former clients is now the VP of marketing for Patagonia, which talk about watching a buddy just kick ass. You should have Corey on your show too at some point. He's such a good dude, but you watch one of the things Patagonia did was they put together a website that helps to bring people with skills together with nonprofits who need those skills, yeah. right? Cause a lot of times that's as valuable, if not more than, a cash donation. Yeah. So it, it was fun to be part of that, which was like, what can a few people from Denver with some cameras do to help other people? And, and that's how this kind of first descent thing went. Yeah, well, it's the power of storytelling. And I think when brands can combine that power of storytelling, where it really touches, you know, touches people's souls and and uses it for the betterment of society betterment of the world like that's powerful and i can only imagine how proud you must feel to be part of creating something like that through your storytelling it makes me very happy yeah yeah um, i can imagine <laughs> uh, oh what i was going to say is i think what's interesting is so many companies do so much good and support communities and organizations and all this stuff. But, you know, I generally think companies are pretty humble. So are the owners. And, you know, one of the really cool things was the first call we were on between Thor and First Ascents. Thor's main thing was like, like we want to do this, but we only want to do this if it's really, really going to support First Ascents because we don't want to do this to just, you know, put the spotlight on Thor. So, that was one of the most hypercritical things for them was to make sure that they were doing right by first sense. Yeah. And 
I think there's a lot of companies that support great organizations and don't always know how to share that story. And, and yeah, they're doing it because they want goodwill around their brand and brands more than ever need to, people need to know who they stand for, but that's a very, it's a, it's a hard story to tell in the right way of how are you bringing value to this organization? Yeah. Without it being self-promoting and 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 going too far that way, I can imagine that that balance is, has to be there. But I think that's the really cool thing about you know the videos that I've watched of, of of yours and I've watched many of them now, is being able to I think showcase those those organizations in the heart of that, certainly with first to sense and, and making that front and center, even though the brand is there. So I think you do an exceptional job at it from what I've seen. Well, the participants are the heroes, right? Yeah, and totally. first to sense is enabling and the, the partners are enabling, but yep. the story is the people that are being served and you just try to do the best we can by that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about to your parent. Back, circle back to your parents now. Um, I'm going to say that again, so that was awkward. <clears throat> All right, so let's circle back to your parents. So you've said that you're incredibly grateful for being able to share this pivotal moment in your life with them. How did this trip change your relationship with them? I guess there's probably a lot of different ways. I mean, I got to watch them interact with the group there and speak during campfire and shed tears together and stuff. I mean, that's not our normal kind of way. It's a, um, my parents are pretty quiet. My dad's a man of very few words. Um, so to kind of see each other in those environments, to just be there helping other people, not because we're on a, just a vacation together or whatever. Um, I think they got to see me work hard, like running all over the place and trying to shoot and film and then edit at night. And, and we did a slideshow in a movie the last night. And so I, I think for them, they often get to see what we do as final results. They don't so often get to see the way we work in the field. Um, they had their 49th wedding anniversary like while we were at First Ascents. And uh, the crew there made them a cake. And I mean, yeah, you just can't top that kind of thing. I want to take my kids back when they're old enough. I need to be 18 to volunteer. Absolutely. I, I bet that they were so proud of you. It's, it's not every day that you get to see the day-to-day -day work that your that your children do. So I'm sure it was eye-opening to see exactly the effort and work and thought that goes into putting a program like this together. Yeah, come a, come a bit from Rockville High School in uh, Vernon, Connecticut, where I missed 40 days of school my senior year snowboarding. And Somehow, well, I wasn't going to say out. it. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. They're probably like, oh, good. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And my, my dad, you know, was an entrepreneur and yeah. ran his own business. And, um, you know, I think he inspired me to go the, the path I did. He was a pharmacist. So I think when he sees that his love, like the family's love of skiing in the mountains kind of turned into my career and then it comes back around to be able to involve them in those kind of ways. And, yeah, I took my dad on some trips with me when I was working for Burton, and it's just been fun. I, I got him in a helicopter at one point, which was really awesome. 
Oh, that's so cool. I can't wait to get my son in a helicopter. He really wants to uh, to go to Silverton with us. He wanted to go on this trip and I told him it was for adults only, but uh, he's a little young yet, but it won't be long. That's for sure. <laughs> I think skiing is the best family thing, best family activity on the planet. We're working on a project for CMH Heli Skiing. I don't want to say too, too much. They've been a, a great client for a long time. And it actually, we were supposed to go shoot the final part of it right when COVID hit. We were supposed to go up to Bobby Burns Lodge in April. Yeah. My son was supposed to be on that trip. It was kind of part of the story. So whatever, once again, first world problems when COVID shuts down the heli ski trip. I fully get what I'm saying, but it still hurt. Um, but what inspired that project was, like, I really wanted to dig deeper into what is it about skiing, snowboarding, the backcountry? There's just, there's just something different. Um, so we're filming with four different families. I don't want to say too much because it's going to get finished. We have so much amazing stuff already shot. But getting to meet with some of those other families and film with them last year, we were up with one family, three generations up at a lodge together. Yeah. And there is something different. There's something different about being holed away in the woods you're all together. And I can say one of the biggest things that stood out was it's an activity that all three generations were doing together, not as like the parents and the grandparents sitting on the sideline watching. Right. And I could go on and on, but the, the filming that story turned into exactly what we all hoped for it to be, which was listening to other people talk about it and actually sort of understand a bit more like, all right, we're not crazy. Like there is something about this that's, that special and different so yeah justifying justifying my <laughs> addiction to snow and helicopters i agree with you i agree with you there's just it gave me chills when you said that i think there's there's nothing like being able to be in the mountains and in some of the most beautiful places on earth you know swishing down frozen water it's mm -hmm. it's the it's the most fun that i have with doing anything with my family and we do lots of different activities, but there's nothing like skiing. Yeah. And I, I looked back, I looked back at it a lot, like just putting my son in a helicopter. One, there's the, the concern just as a parent making decisions, right. but I mean, he's 13 now. And I was like, does this spoil him? And the more I dug back into it in my own life, I was like, I kind of think it's the opposite, which is if you know what's out there, if you work your ass off, then how are you not going to work your ass off to continue to chase that? And I took a year off after high school to backpack through Australia and New Zealand with my best friend and then went back to New Zealand for their winter. And I, I had like a thousand bucks for the whole trip. And at the end, I sold a bunch of snowboards, whatever. And I spent as much on one of the last days and went up in a helicopter. The season had sucked in New Zealand. And all winter, I was watching helicopters come and go from town. And I was finally just like, I'm doing this. And so I went out on that trip and I think it, it lit that fire under me that hasn't gone away. Right. So that's where it brought me back around to is like, maybe it'll spoil them and it'll just turn into a little powder bitch, but uh, it shouldn't be because it's hard. I mean, and you see it when you go to one of those operations, the people that are there generally because they have like worked super hard, carved that time out of their schedule and made it like a thing they commit to in their family or in their life. 
which is a lot different than just looking at it like I'm just going to throw money at this thing and I get to go do it. So it's been a lot of uh, reflection for me, um, like what it did for me and then how do I best utilize that passion and motivation to instill in my kids. Yep. No, I totally understand. Yeah. All right. Before we uh, before we get into business and social impact, <laughs> you have to tell us why your name is Chisel. Oh, uh, it's kind of a quick answer. A longtime photographer buddy of mine and mentor, and just really awesome, awesome guy. He once said that you know when you're working on photos and Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever, that you shouldn't use a sledgehammer. You should use a chisel. Meaning. You probably know some people's Instagram feeds that are like, lay off the, lay off the filter a little bit. Like, <laughs> so that's the sledgehammer versus chisel thing. So I wonder with chisel. You're an artist with your chisel. I love it. Yeah, yeah, just, just a little bit, not too much. Right? <laughs> I hmm. love it. <laughs> All right. So we talked a little bit about social impact and, and working with brands who are doing a lot to improve the world. Why do you think leaders need to care more about social impact? Well, there's no excuse not to. Um, What's happened with brands and content and everything in like the last 10 years, it's it's really awesome, right? Like 10 years ago, if we shot photos or whatever, it was probably we're going to make a print ad, maybe go on a website or whatever, right? That was the old way. Now, most content is you know branded content storytelling the, it used to be we'd go out and shoot products right and now we're much more creating content that tells a brand story and it might be for a product launch or more product centric but one way or another people have so many easy ways to dig into the brands that they care about um that there's, there's no more smoke and mirrors. And if it's bullshit, people are going to see through it quick and you're going to get called out. And mm -hmm. so I, I think it's just brands just need to be true to themselves. And you differentiate based off brands are like people, right? So it's like, yeah. are you, how do you act? How do you portray around the other people who wants to be around you? That kind of thing. So I, I think there needs to be social outreach and all that but so much of it depends on like who the brand is and who are their products serving or what can where do they where are they based i mean with airstream we've filmed things that we're heavy on the people that work there and that they have staff that have been there like 40 years like so that might not be the same kind of social outreach mission that like that maybe patagonia is doing but every brand's got these beautiful stories that make them different than their comp competition and it's just how do you how do you tell it and if you can do right by your stakeholders and that's some uplift in different areas and even better right like I, I just think you've like look at the outdoor industry right now with everything that's happened in the last year or two between from COVID to Black Lives Matter to like everything got re-looked at and it was really I thought it was really impressive to see the outdoor industry take a hard look at itself and see where it had been failing. I think Burton Snowboards had a beautiful message about taking blame for not have doing more in the past as a leader of a sport to have more inclusion and diversity and like 
it's just beautiful stuff to see happen. Yeah, I agree with you. That was a long answer. No, no, it's good. It's more of a ramble, probably. You're fine. No, you're fine. Hold on real quick. I want to say a disclaimer up front, too, that I was going to say, like, by no means do I think I'm, like, the expert or doing the best. I feel like we're, I feel like we have a longer ways to go at being better as a company than where we've got to now. So, like, we're having a conversation, but I'm not sitting here as trying to be the expert of what people should do. We're trying we're trying to learn and try to do better every day. That should be the goal of every human being. We know not, none of us have it figured out, right? We're all just trying to figure out how to get better each day, hopefully. And there's going to be some days where you slip backwards and then you pick yourself back up. So. Yeah, I had one of those yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yesterday was tough. It was so brutal. I, was I had one. a horrible day yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. All right. If there's one thing that you want leaders to take away from your story, what would it be? I will find an awesome business partner, spouse. Those two are, I lucked out. I like dated way out of my league and I got a business partner way out of my league. So I think that's why I'm still get to sit here now. That's a hard one to figure out, right? Um, and it's cool. I've known Allison and Frank now. I mean, we all lived together back in Vermont. Like, met Frank at Burton, met Allison at UVM. This has been a, like a long role. Um, but I've also been lucky that they're super aligned. Like Frank and I, I don't think I've ever had a challenging discussion around finances or anything like that, or that we've always been driven by. Um, quality of life and pursuit of fun and trying to do right by the people around us. So um, I think that's, that's helped us a lot. And I think if I could share anything is that, well, you know, we share, we met snowboarding, hiking snow together and that kind of thing. And like, we weren't about to walk away from that. Like I think for Frank and I, if it was ever to take a job that was maybe going to be more fun and maybe we were going to lose money doing it, but whatever, then, sure the first time cmh called and we built them actually we built them a, um, i think it was an experiential marketing thing for a ypo conference i think that was our first uh cmh job but i mean frank and i the first thing we could see like think was like not so much budget we were like we gotta go you know yeah. so um i think i think it's that like passion and working hard and having fun hopefully at the end of the day leads to having a positive bottom line and that you can pay your people and pay taxes and survive COVID and that kind of thing. But I, I really think for Frank and I and supported by our families was the ability to let our passion and creativity lead and hope that somehow we can figure out how to run a business or two or three or four. I love that answer. You are the company you keep, that's for sure. So surround yourself with great people <laughs> and live your passion. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so the name of this podcast is Reflect Forward, which brings up different things for different people. What does Reflect Forward mean to you and how have you used it in your life? I think when I reflect forward, I like look back at some of the pivotal moments in my life. Um, I decided to go try to work for Burden before I applied to UVM for business school. And I did both at the same time, which was awesome. I stayed at Burton for like seven years and leaving, I think was still maybe one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. I had a dream job that I couldn't even, 
I couldn't even imagine seven years before that that a job existed, just traveling the world with pro athletes. But then I had to make the decision to leave, and it, it took me a while. I think it took me well over a year. And um, But leaving helped to push me onto my entrepreneurial journey. And then when we bought this building in Denver, like when I looked at some of those biggest moments, oh, deciding to go backpack through Australia with a buddy, like we hopped on a plane with no plan, just a backpack and we literally flew into the airport and walked out to the highway and decided which way to go. That's the way we wanted to do it. That first night I almost had like a full blown mental breakdown in some shitty, shitty campground in Northern Australia. And we had these visions that we were just gonna be camping on the beach and just surfing and hitchhiking. And it didn't go anything like that. And that first night I was, I was like 18 at the time. I can still remember standing in that like shower and that, crappy campground freaking out like thinking i just made the biggest mistake of my life and how do i turn around and leave or change but we saw it through long story anyways but i really like thought back about those those like main pivotal moments and when i look at most of them they were all super super scary at the time and then we sort of committed and then once we kind of committed then stubbornness and like not having the willingness to give up or fail, just like, just kind of keep leaning in, keep leaning in. I mean, that could probably also take you down a really bad path also, but we've been kind of lucky. But so I don't know, for me, I know that those were the, some of the best decisions I made in my life and some of the hardest ones. And I think the hardest part I'm having figuring out now is like, what's, what's the next one, you know, like, so I think sometimes it almost gets harder to do. Like we just said, standing it's standing at the top of a steep heli run now or whatever, it's like scarier than yeah. it used to be to me. And I think the next big business or life move kind of feels that same sort of way. So that's yeah. sort of my reflect forward is like just how to get sort of audacious and roll the dice and you just got to kind of lean in, but not get too, too far over your ski tips, right? Great advice. <laughs> All right, so how can people find you, Mike? Come hang out in Denver evergreen colorado um we're always at loveland we have transferable passes always down to go to the mountains Every, everything can be figured out on a chairlift if there's a better place to have a meeting we haven't found it but um the public works is our creative agency not to mix up with a few other companies that have copied us since then but the publicworks.biz is our creative agency and the public works on instagram I'm Arts M on Instagram, spelled A-R-Z-T-M. It's, Arts means doctor in German. Um, then our building in Denver is called Battery 621. Um, come on by anytime. Invite everyone to come by and have coffee or drink beer. We have a fellow EO person speaking tonight about always being ready to sell your business. So Battery, we, we wanted Battery to be this community of like sort of where the mountains meet the city and just great people bump into each other and so come come see us here it's always open door free wi-fi that's that's awesome all right well thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story i know there's a million different directions that we could have gone but it was really awesome to hear about your experience with first ascents and how you've been able to give back uh in in some pretty major ways so thank you yeah, and every everyone should check that out. And yeah. 
stop trying to just go on and on. But the other thing that we really learned is, you know, it's one thing to raise money, but another thing is to raise awareness and to know what the different organizations do. And that if you know what First Ascents does, there's probably a good chance that real quick, like you're going to be suggesting it to someone else you bump into, which I just did yesterday. Um, so really check out First Ascents and support great organizations. And I can't wait to ski with you again because you rip and we had such a good day. So let's try to top that one. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I'll have all of that, all of those links in the show notes too. So people can, uh, can check it out and, and learn how to get involved. Yeah. And feel free to hit me up and especially we really try to give time if it's, you know, students or people trying to figure out those next steps. Like a lot of people help me out along the way and, um, just lean into your passions and talk to people that inspire you and if we can help anyone, we will. So we're here. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks again. Everybody hold tight and I'll be right back. All right. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mike. And I will see you next week when I answer your questions and talk about leadership. I hope you have a fantastic day. Take care.